Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about retirement. Hey everybody, welcome in to this edition of the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover, financial coach at Wealth Partners Corporation, serving you here in the Kansas City area. But that's okay, you can still reach out even if you're outside the Kansas City area and checking out this podcast. You can give him a call if you've got some questions or need some help at 913-685-3207. You can also check out his website at wealthpartnerskc.com. And we're going to do an email show this week. We haven't done one for a while here on the podcast. If you'd like to submit an email, again, when you're at the website, wealthpartnerskc.com. Drop us a line here on the show, and we'll ask a few of those from time to time and see if we can help some folks out with some good ideas. Steve, what's going on, buddy? Before we get into this, how are you? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you feeling? Doing pretty good. Hanging in there. We are fully in the summer, and it's hot. Yes, but, uh, I like it. Yeah, After me too. After the winter we had, I'm, I'm not going to complain about any of the heat. Yeah, it's uh, it is toasty, but that's right. I'm with you. I'm like, you know what? I'm in the pool. I'm okay. <laughs> I know, me too. It could be worse. So, uh, listen, I got some good emails this week. So let's jump in and tackle a few of these. I got one from Jerry, and he's got a pretty simple question. He says, "What's the difference between a Roth account and a 401k Roth?" I'm not quite sure I understand the difference on these, other than the fact that you're paying the taxes now. Well, the difference between a Roth IRA and a Roth 401k are is that the Roth IRA is what we call contributory Roth, which means you're contributing money outside of your retirement plan at work into a Roth IRA. So the one issue with, with that is that the Roth 401k doesn't have our income limitations. So if you're making, as a married couple, a little over 198000 of adjusted gross income, you cannot do a Roth contributory IRA. Ah, okay. But if you have a Roth 401k or a Roth 403b, doesn't matter how much money you make, you can contribute money to that Roth inside your company plan. In fact, you can do both. You can contribute money if your income, again, is lower than 198 as a married couple into a contributory Roth IRA, but you can also contribute a certain portion into your Roth 401k or Roth 403b. So the only difference really is one is outside of your employer plan. The other one's inside the employer plan. So Steve, if you make more than that, let's, let's play hypothetical here. We're making more than 200,000 as a married couple. Uh, are both of those options off the table or could you still do the employee one? You can still do the employee one, but you can't do the contributory Roth IRA. What's some other options for folks that are making more than that if they do want to pay taxes now versus doing something traditionally tax deferred? Is there other vehicles or avenues to, to ponder? What you can do is what's called a conversion. You can take a regular IRA and convert it to a Roth. All that means is that you're paying the taxes now and the money will go into the Roth IRA and that Roth IRA will be growing tax-free for you uh, so that you can pull money out uh, later after five years uh, and you're over 59 and a half out tax-free. Gotcha. So a lot of times we'll also hear that being referred to as a backdoor Roth, correct? No, a backdoor Roth is a little bit different. A backdoor Roth is where you go ahead and set up a non-deductible IRA, which means you don't deduct anything and all you're doing is deferring the growth in it 
And then ultimately, when you start taking money out, you pay the different, you pay the tax on the growth, not on what you contributed. So what happens on a backdoor Roth IRA conversion is you put money into a non-deductible IRA, you then convert it to a Roth IRA, and you probably don't have any growth at that point. So it really kind of turns into a contributory Roth. And no income limitations on those non-deductible IRAs. Now, here's the hitch. If you have a IRA outside, so let's say you had a uh, you rolled over a 401k years ago into your own IRA that you have sitting out there. There are some rules that go into, can you do a backdoor Roth and does it make sense? I don't want to go into the technical, but they do some proportionate calculations of how much of that backdoor uh, IRA can be contributed to a Roth and how much is taxable. Very complicated. Most people aren't able to do it from the standpoint that they do have an IRA sitting out there. And it, it, the calculation gets very, very cumbersome, but you can, that's what's called a backdoor Roth. Okay. All right. Well, great conversation. Great question really to, to walk us down that path though, path. So thank you so much for submitting that question to the podcast. Uh, hopefully that helps. And of course, if you got some more questions, reach out to Steve. Uh, we got one here from uh, Katie. She says, Steve, I have a catch 22. I've got some stock. I really want to offload because uh, it's made me a lot of money over the years, but I'm worried about the tax bill that it might create. So my question, what's more important, capturing gains or keeping my taxes low? I guess she's referring to capital gains on that, right? Yeah. And part of what you want to do on that is, well, first of all, I think you need to have the understanding that taxes are not that bad in respect to the fact that you have a gain. You you actually, you know, when when we have gain, we're going to have to pay taxes. There is no magical way to avoid taxes uh, on things. And that means that we have gain. We have a profit. So at that point, then you need to put together a plan. And maybe you sell a portion of it this year. You sell a portion of it next year or the following year to try to minimize um, the taxes that you would pay or the capital gains tax. But never be afraid of paying taxes on gain. Just have a plan on trying to minimize it. And that can be spreading it out over time. Um, that might be if you have in your portfolio, maybe one that you didn't make any money and it's time to just let it go and take the loss and offset the gain with the loss. So there are things that you can do to minimize the, the taxes, but don't let the tax tail wag the dog, as, as they say, because taxes are, are a byproduct of profit. Taxes are a byproduct of income. You got income positive, you're going to pay taxes. If you got a profit on a stock or anything, you're going to pay some taxes, but just have a plan. And there are ways to minimize it, but understand you're going to have to pay some kind of tax. And Steve, a lot of times when we're talking about capital gains. I think most people think that there's only two. There's actually five different ones, isn't there? There's five different categories for capital gains, but most of us tend to fall into that 15%. Yeah, most of us fall into the 15%. That's on long-term capital gains. That means you've held the asset more than 12 months. If you hold an asset less than 12 months, that's a short-term capital gain, and that is taxed at your ordinary income. So that would be just like earning that money from a job. You would pay taxes on whatever your income tax rate would be on that. There is no flat 15%. Mm. Uh, one thing to keep in mind on the capital gain, long-term capital gains tax, if you are in the 12% bracket, that's the, the bracket, second bracket that we have. You know, we have some of our incomes taxed at 10, 12, 22, et cetera. If you stay within that 20, that 12% bracket, believe it or not, you pay no capital gains tax. Zero. Oh, nice. So 
that is something to keep in mind. Now, I have a, a number of uh, clients that are older that have a low income. You know, they've been able to save in their Roths. They maybe had some life insurance they're drawing on and they have social security. So they're in maybe even the 10% bracket, which is the lowest. And they have some highly appreciated stock. They can start selling some of that stock off, which we can calculate of how much they can sell off to where they don't have to pay any capital gains tax and realize all that profit. So that's where the planning comes into place and knowing exactly what your taxes are and how much can you sell off before you trigger any capital gains tax. So there are some ways that you can get around it, but you have to do a little bit of planning to figure that out. All right. Well, Katie, thank you so much for the question. We certainly appreciate it. Good stuff here this week on the podcast. Well, there's always good stuff, but we're definitely uh, hopefully helping some people out with some good thoughts here. I got another email for you. We're going to try to keep knocking out as many of these as we can catch up with. Steve, we got Michael who dropped one to us and he said, I got several old 401ks, Steve, from companies that I used to work for. I'm getting tired of keeping up with all the statements. Can I combine these to one account? Or maybe the question really should be, should I combine these to one account? I think you should. It keeps record keeping a little bit easier. You can bring them all into one IRA. You then have the ability to manage it however you like. You have the full array of of investment options that you can choose, whether you do it in yourself or utilize somebody like me or somebody else, but it makes bookkeeping so much easier. The other thing that that it does help with is that we tend to find when somebody has a, a number of 401ks, they tend to own the same assets inside those 401ks. So you get a lot of duplication of companies. Right now, I'm seeing a ton of people who own a lot of Apple stock and Google stock and Microsoft stock, Facebook, those are and Tesla is now the new one. And they think that they have these different 401ks, therefore they're diversified because they have all these different funds in these different 401ks when in fact they don't. They own the same stuff. So when you combine those 401ks into one IRA, uh, you you have the ability to do some true diversification. Uh, you don't get the overlap because you you all your money's in one place. Yeah, you can get into some different asset classes, right? Not just be all in the same thing. So, oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. All right, so one more here, I think this week, and <laughs> I probably should have followed this up with the prior one from Katie, but that's okay. Uh, it's it's about taxes as well, and this is from Frida. And she says, Steve, I've heard some people advertising that you can do a tax-free retirement and they can teach you ways to avoid paying taxes in your retirement. This sounds like a scam to me, so I haven't even bothered with it, but can you really have a tax-free retirement? What they're talking about is where you go ahead and convert your IRA and put money into what's called an index universal life um, insurance policy. And the theory behind that is the universal life or the life insurance portion will grow. And there are certain growth mechanisms inside these index universal life policies. And if you hold it for 10, 15 years, you reach retirement, you can start borrowing out of your life insurance policy. And the money you're borrowing out is not subject to income tax because it's a, it's a loan against your policy. And they'll calculate how much you can pull out each year and never have to pay back. So you can essentially eliminate any of your taxes um, down the line. I have seen a number of these plans. I have not implemented any of these plans from the standpoint that um, I've never seen a life insurance uh, illustration exactly the same as it, 
as it's projected. So in other words, I say, oh, if you, you, you take this money, you pay the tax now is what they want you to do. Since we're in a low bracket, pay the tax now, put that money into the life insurance policy, let it grow. Uh, and by the time you let it grow for 15 years, you should be able to pull out $50,000 a year tax-free for the next 25 years. Well, that's assuming a lot of things. It's assuming, number one, that the market stays strong. Number two, it assumes that the insurance company has done a good job of underwriting people because one of the variables inside that policy is the cost of insurance. And if they do a poor job of underwriting people, meaning they insure people who really shouldn't have the insurance, well, down the line, they're going to raise that cost, which you pay for inside that policy. And as you get older, the cost goes up as well. So I have shied away from it only because 10 years from now, who knows where we're going to be. And I, I just am leery that, that it, it's the right way to go. I think utilizing Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, Roth 403bs is a much better way to go. Is it going to totally have a tax-free retirement? No. But I think my personal opinion is I think the risk is too high to put all your eggs in one basket and say, okay, I'm going to liquidate all my IRAs right now and put it in the life insurance policy or a portion of it into the insurance policy and hope that this thing performs the way it's projected to perform. And historically, I've been doing this over 25 years, no life insurance policy ever performs like it's illustrated. It never does. It's always lower than what is illustrated. All right. Well, great question. Good content. Good answers from Steve this week, helping us out a little bit here on the podcast. So hopefully, folks, that helped you out. Hopefully you ever catch this episode and heard your question. If not, the great thing about podcasts is you can always listen to them anytime, especially if you're subscribed to the show, The Retirement Pilot. You can subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you like to use. Most of these apps are already on your phone. For example, if you're an Apple user, you have Apple Podcasts already on your phone. Simply open up the app and type in The Retirement Pilot in the search box and you can find it that way. Same thing with Google Podcasts. And of course, you can always download Spotify as well. And again, you can just search that out in the box or you can simply go to Steve's website at wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com. You can check out all the good tools, tips and resources there. Subscribe to the show. Drop us an email. Send Steve an email, whatever the case might be, if you need a little bit of help here on the Retirement Pilot. Steve, thanks for hanging out with me and answering some of these questions. Good stuff this week. Appreciate it, Mark. Thanks. I always appreciate your time. And we'll be back uh, in just after the 4th of July for our next show in July. So you guys have a great holiday. And we will see you next time here on The Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.